The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. You know, looking at our roster of topics this morning. Yeah. We are hockey geeks, aren't we? Uh, I thought that was pretty well established over the course of the last, you know, like three years. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I get that. But like every once in a while, it just sort of smacks me in the forehead and even I can't not notice it. I think, um, one, I think there's one little headline in here that might push us slightly beyond the whole hockey geekdom thing. So uh, there's probably three of them. <laughs> I mean, pick one. Uh, we have big <laughs> one. Where do we start? Do we start with the Do we start with the clinchings? I probably want to start with the clinchings because yeah, uh, they're all they're all. First of all, they're all in the same. Um, they're all they the same division. Things? Divisions. Thank you. Yes. And they all happened like in a in a two night span. Yeah, it's all in the uh, make sure we do this contractually thing. The Honda West. The Honda where? West. Yes. So the Vegas Golden Knights were yep. the first to clinch a playoff spot, which really isn't a huge surprise to anyone. I think that at the opening of the season, I did my, I did my shock face when I heard it. I went, <gasps> yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in fact, I was laying <laughs> down and I still wished I'd been holding on to something. I mean, I just got a little bit weak at the announcement. And the same thing happened again when the Colorado Avalanche uh, clinched. Yes. Again, shock face. Um, but abs- since absolutely everybody predicted that the Minnesota Wild would would be in the playoffs. Wait, no surprise there. No, no, no. I'm I'm looking up the notes on that one. I'm not buying it. Everybody. Uh, Honda West. Let's see. I picked, yeah, Vegas, Colorado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait. No, I don't have Minnesota. Hold on. And, and we have, hold on. Edited his notes? notes for dramatic uh, purposes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Um, oh, wait. Yeah. No, you don't have Minnesota either. Sorry. Okay. See, he edited my notes because my notes clearly say, uh, the Minnesota oh, wait, Wild no, will be oh, the third oh. team to clinch a playoff spot. I'm sorry. Your notes indicate Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, just like me. And then you hedged your bets and said Arizona or Minnesota instead of and just picking one. And both of them could make it. I think the surprise here, and obviously it's for both of us, is the fact that St. Louis is battling for that fourth spot with Arizona. I I think that I think the surprise to me is more that Arizona is there because none of us expected them to have the goal production to get anywhere near the playoffs this year. I mean, the one thing that they haven't been able to do in the last three seasons is score. They Um, are. um, They are a minus 22 in goal differential. Staggering and says more about the division than it does about the team. But you look at the guys behind them. St. Louis is a minus 11 somehow. San Jose, who is still theoretically within (laughs) striking distance, is a minus 38. The Los Angeles Kings, despite the best efforts of uh, of Dowdy, 
um, Kopitar, Brown. The, the sad part is... They're 16. The sad part is the Kings, I want to say about a month ago, were actually up in like the third or fourth spot. They were in playoff contention. But nobody believed they would be there. <sighs> but people I mean, that was, uh, that was during the time when Colorado was uh, paused for health concerns. Oh, maybe. I mean, they still have... Oh, wait, they have lots of old guys, don't they? They have lots of old guys, yeah. And then they brought in lots of... They re-signed Ayafalo. I mean, they're, they're trending in the right direction with the age as far as they traded away Jeff Carter and... I think they got the best deal they could for him. Uh, I'm not. I can't remember. Was it a third round pick or something like that, or a first round pick? Or... Drew Doughty has been playing for how many years now? Um, at least four hundred. At least ten. Oh he's, no, uh, like fifteen. Uh, no, it's closer to twelve. He's second on the team in scoring. He also averages just a hair under twenty-seven minutes a night. At age 31. <laughs> yeah, he's he started, he broke into the NHL playing uh, 81 games in the 08-09 season. And he has missed very few games uh, in his career. Very few. Well, I, I do like the fact that between 2014-15 and 2018-19, he went 82, 82, 82, 82. 82. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, at, at some point, he must have been playing injured. I mean, you don't go five solid years, six solid years without, without some kind of nagging or, something. Or aggravating a groin or just having a shoulder that's a little out. Yeah. Because it's not like he shies away from contact or doesn't hit himself. But again, second on the team in scoring. I mean, eight goals, twenty-five assists. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little. So, uh, did I expect him to be there? No, obviously, you and I didn't pick them. But it was a little bit of a nice surprise to see them actually performing well. Yes, they've kind of fallen back to where we expect them to be. Dustin Brown at still twenty-seven points in forty-three games. Still want to know what the hell he got injected with, but. I'm going to tell me. I'm they, assuming uh, that some <laughs> that like about a dozen players found the fountain of youth and uh, had a couple of gallons out of it because it, it yeah him Mark Stahl leading, David Krejci leading the team in goals he's got 16 goals Dustin Brown he leads his team in goals has he ever led that team in goals before I don't think he has I don't think so. <laughs> and at the moment, we don't really have time to look uh, because, well, no, we got, we've got a full, full, full show. So we got so we got the Vegas clinch. No surprise. And they did it in, with their seventh straight win over the Sharks, who are <clears throat> not clinching. Uh, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> not looking at their standings. No. <laughs> Uh, I think all of us safely, I think just about everyone safely predicted that there would be no California teams in this year's playoffs. 
There's not going to be. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no. no, the Sharks I, are the least uh, awful of the three, and they're still not very good. Vegas, Colorado, no surprise. Uh, what is how is it that Minnesota is where they are? They're a plus 28 in goal differential. Uh, because Bill Guerin is the executive of the year and you should, and anyone who's voting for someone else needs to just relinquish their voting rights. I don't know. Depending on how Taylor Hall does, there's going to be some arguments in Boston about that. <laughs> yeah, but it has to be the whole year. I know. And the whole year um, and Billy Guerin. Billy has Garen has, well, you got you got Kirill Kaprizov. Um, Fiala is. I mean, it, you look at the roster, and it's like it's not like there's huge. There are no superstars on that roster. I mean, Zuccarello, Greenway, Erickson, Ack. I mean, Parise, who's supposed to be, I guess you're. I mean, getting a little older. Obviously, he's got. 18 points in 39 games. Reezy yeah, but has Victor, never been the guy. Victor he wasn't Rath. the guy in Jersey. He's not the guy there. What's is he talent, or Is he talented? Yes. Is he... Has he ever legitimately been a dominant force in hockey? No. Parise? Yes. Uh, he's been affected. But he's never been the guy who shaped the game. Yeah, if you look at it, if you stop and look at his career, he, he had two years where, if you were going to call him "quote unquote" dominant, it would have been his fourth and fifth seasons in the league, where he had forty-five goals. This was oh eight oh nine, ninety-four points, and then the next year he had thirty-eight goals and eighty-two points. He was a plus thirty and a plus twenty-four respectively. Other than those two years. He's been above league average. He's got a 69 and a 65. And yeah, it's his best years were in New Jersey. Oh, hands down. Like, hands down, it was the best he's ever played. And the people in Minnesota who were unfortunate enough to be led to believe that he and Suter coming home was going to bring instant glory to the team. You got sold a bill of goods. I mean, your 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 presumptive Which, rookie of the year is leading the team in goals with 22, leading the team in points with 41. I I genuinely believe that if you're if a rookie is leading your team in scoring, that's even more damaging or more damning than having a defenseman lead your team in scoring. Um, It means that there's some broken stuff there. Now, Minnesota, I think, is performing above uh, above their fighting weight this year. And I think that the credit not only has to go to Bill Guerin as GM, but I think you have to look at their head coach and say, dude, you done right. Uh, Because what did I call this? Before the season started? Who's coaching up there now? Dean Evison? Dean Evison. Isn't he a first-year coach or second-year coach? Uh, he was replaced. Uh, he replaced Bruce Boudreaux last middle of last season. So this is his first full season as head coach. 
I called this, and you can go back to, what was it, uh, January just before the season started? Sure. I called this the year of the coach. You Why? Did. You've said it multiple times. Because with only a very limited number of opponents, coaches' adjustments will sink uh, will sink bad teams. They, they had to. I mean, um, this was all about making adjustments because you're playing the same team eight times. Good coaches, good coaches push their teams higher. Bad coaches sunk their team. Ladies and gentlemen, what do I think of Elaine Vigneault? <laughs> Where are they in the standings? <laughs> I Look, I've said it for years that Elaine Vigneault makes 98.5% of his coaching decisions in September before the season starts. Elaine Vigneault. He, he's not – Elaine Vigneault has never, in my opinion, has never been – an on the fly coach to translate that in game adjustments, changing up lineups, adjusting players, moving them onto different lines, things like that. He's not good at it. He wasn't good at it in the final against the, against the Bruins in the Stanley Cup. He wasn't good at it in the finals when he was coaching the Rangers. He's it. It's not in his skill set. And if he doesn't have assistant coaches who are going to push him to do it, something he's not I don't think he's comfortable with anyways, and I doubt he has an assistant coach that would do it, um it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. I mean they're and, sitting in they're sitting in six, they're five points behind the Rangers who are six points behind the fourth plate the fourth position in the mutual east, mass mutual east which is Boston at the moment. I mean, it, it pretty much and overall, what do I think of uh, Boston's coach, Bruce Cassidy? <laughs> mm. I think he's average. Yes. And sitting in the middle of your division, that makes you average. I think that I, I think he's better. I think at he's better in game. game. Uh, yes. Yes. He's, wow, I don't think he's as good that. at short, hard lessons. Like, and I think he, I think even worse than Claude with his veterans, he waits way too long to bench even for half a period, someone who's underperforming or who screws up. Um, admittedly, the Bruins have played okay. more defensemen than anyone this year. I think there are 13 or 14 defensemen who have, uh, who have taken the ice for them. Oh. We've had four, Jack Sean. We've had <laughs> Camper is playing like regular minutes now. Hey, Camper <laughs> is playing regular minutes. Tenorti has played regular minutes. Uh, Tenorti wasn't Connor even Clifton. on the team's radar at the beginning of the year. No, Connor Clifton was. Uh, Connor Clifton is now like in the top six, which Connor Clifton might arguably for a argue was for a stretch in the top four. Yeah, uh, because of injuries, he's played well enough to be to, in my opinion, own a top six spot with every player health with every defenseman healthy. Um, because yes, I'm going to put him in there ahead of John Moore, and well, it appears yeah. that even I'd Cassidy put, has come around on that. I'd put me in ahead of John Moore. So. 
I I I was a, I was a left wing center left wing so <laughs> I put me in before John Moore. Um. <laughs> I, I can't actually say that I would put me in ahead of John Moore because I never I was never even a decent skater. Um, I'd still consider it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a compliment. Yes, <laughs> I, for you, not him. For you. Um. On the other hand, I tend not to do silly things like face the wrong way when I know where the puck is. So, hey, there you go. You know, um, they, it, it, <laughs> Connor Clifton, a goal and six assists. Oh, there you go. But he's a plus six, 38 games played. Absolutely. Um, gotta love cliffy hockey i don't know anybody who doesn't love cliffy hockey go watch a game so there's something i want to talk about really quickly all right and some people will like it some people won't uh other day i think it was friday driving home i was not i just couldn't make it home before the game started so i'm listening listening to the bruins uh on the radio uh judd zarat is talking about Jack Eichel. So who is Judd Surratt again? Judd Surratt is one of the Bruins uh, radio announcers um, uh, uh, on 98.5 The Sports Hub. See, I'm after after Bob Gosher left for Vegas, I that was it for me. So <laughs> uh, sometimes it's the only game I got. But yeah, so I know. Beers, <laughs> he's talking and he's saying he he was clearly questioning. Jack Eichel's decision to get a second opinion on the bulge disc in his neck. Uh, first of all, the it's team, a neck injury. What the hell's wrong with him? The team said, oh, you can just rest and it'll get better and you can come back and play this season. That was their <laughs> that was their model. So who's the their doctor? Mickey Mouse? <laughs> um, just asking. The... Jack Eichel went and got a second opinion and as we all know, ended up having surgery, which ended his season. Um, Now here's the fun part. One Judd Surratt kind of maybe sort of made it sound like Jack Eichel uh, had sort of quit on the team. I don't think that's true. Where did he get this information? This guy he didn't. Is... He didn't say it, but his tone of voice was really, really curious and really, really heavily doubting. Now, okay. Jack Eichel's twenty-four, six-two, two hundred and thirteen pounds. Mm-hmm. He's unfortunately gotten really familiar with injuries in his career. Um, but at twenty-four years old, I think he made a really, really smart decision. Because neck and back injuries, there's there's a really, really small difference between lots of pain and paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Like a bad knee, okay, brace it up, give me a shot, uh, numb the hell out of it, and let me get on the ice. Ankle, okay, give me a big give me a bigger skate and we'll deal with the swelling that way. Broken toes, meh. 
broken finger. Let me just <laughs> let me just pop, pop the uh, dislocated finger back into place, and I'll put my glove back on and go back to playing. But neck and back injuries, I think you are a moron if you don't get a second opinion, regardless of whether you agree with the first guy or not. And second, no. Like, for the Sabres, there is zero benefit to getting him to play the rest of the season. Zero. Except, this is where I wish we had a dramatic uh, soundboard. Um, One of these days, I've got to figure out getting, like, sound effects so I can... We can have like dun 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 or something like that. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Jack Eichel does not at present have a no movement clause. Can you guess when that Jack when that uh no movement clause kicks in? Next year. It kicks in I believe it's June of twenty twenty two. It's not like the end of his con. No. Oh, next no, year. So the no, end. no, no. His contract runs through twenty five, twenty six. Oh, that's right. He signed a big, long eight year one. Okay. So the last four years of it, the first and that first year of the no movement clause starts with these with the with a signing bonus of uh, seven and a half. So, and that's due, I think, either July first or um, before the season starts. So if they're going to deal him, they have to. He has to come back, be healthy, mm, and be help. gone by June of next year. So, yes, if they could have gotten it done, if they could have gotten him back on the ice and have him score four or five goals after the neck, uh, after the neck, calm down, because I don't think healing is the right right word uh for this time for this type injury yeah they probably could have traded him at the draft uh uh between the end of the season and free agency um i mean his contract is is 10 i mean his his cap hit is 10 mil a year i mean it's a big number yes but if if he plays to potential it's a more than acceptable number So you could potentially move him, move him for multiple picks and prospects if he at, if he's at healthy the, at, at 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 the draft this year because June is going to be too early for the. I mean, you could move him. Yeah, you could move him next year, but and, and then you have so effectively you have, assuming he comes back and plays healthy in, not that I expect a deal of that size to happen in training camp. Um, but that's probably the earliest you're going to see is, you know, he comes back and plays two preseason games and scores eight goals or something like that. Um, not this year, not this year, but if they're going to start working, like, uh, etching out the details of a mid season trade with two or three partners, they have to start doing it. Like as soon as he's back skating. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can pinpoint one GM that's not going to offer anything useful or a or a sane amount. He'll offer too much or he'll offer too little. 
No, but not Rob just Blake out. Rob Blake out in L.A. Oh. Uh, I'm just thinking in terms of Anze Kopitar is getting older. You need that number one center that they don't currently. I mean, as far as I can tell, they don't currently have. on. I haven't seen anything in their system that makes me think they have a Kopitar replacement. I'm not, I don't even know if they have a number two center in their system. I mean, it, it, I'm looking at centers. Alex Turcotte, no. no. Could it be Quinton Byfield? Maybe. Uh, I mean, that's a good guess, but he's still, even if he starts playing next fall and is rookie of the year, how many rookie of the years are true number one centers, top 15 in their position, top 20 in their position in the whole league? But no. say you... No. Say you Say you bring him in, you you make him the second line center, takes the pressure off being on the top, the quote unquote top line. You get yourself somebody younger than Kopitar, such as a Jack Eichel, to be your top line, and suddenly you're you're stronger down the middle. Oh, absolutely. I think L.A. has shown. I think they've shown interest. Uh, and you still got you still got uh, young guys like Blake Lazat, who's like the fourth line, Jared Anderson Dolan, who's looked pretty good at times. They've got a lot of youngsters. I mean, yes, they have age, but if you look at their roster, Kopitar thirty three, Brown thirty six. Um, every other forward after that, no higher than twenty seven. And I mean, they will have. A serious amount of cap space to work Young. with in the off season, but they've got a lot of they've got a lot of holes to plug in their roster too. Thing is, Kopitar still has <laughs> three years of term left on the contract. <laughs> yep, <coughs> I mean the same ass- dollar amount as. I mean, assuming it's an almost player for player trade, like if it if it's Kopitar, a first. Um, a first, wow. Okay. No, no, no. A first. Uh, where are the young guys? Uh, Turcotte and um, let's say Rasmus uh, Kapari, since they like that name out there. Um, or actually, we'll throw in Akil Thomas too, since uh, he hasn't hit the NHL yet. Um, he's twenty-one. Give him a break. Yeah, I know, but his. Is didn't he end up? Wasn't he drafted like three years ago? Uh, yeah, you might yeah, be right. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. Thomas and a second round pick because, yeah, you're giving up term. You're giving up a lot of control. I mean, there's only a one year difference. There would only be a one year difference in contract length, or two year difference in contract length. But the odds that you're not going to keep Jack Eichel if he's happy in L.A., are pretty pretty low. But the thing is that even when they signed Taylor Hall to try and give him, because that was one of the things they talked about at the end of last season, was Jack Eichel wasn't happy, you know, did he want to leave? Jack but that shouldn't have been happy. They haven't surrounded him with anything to help him. Uh well, Mills, they the had Evander Kane. Pretty good. They had well, Evander Kane, and they let him go wait, for 
they dealt him away. <laughs> Which is still one of the dumbest trades I've seen in the past decade. Like, straight up stupid. Away. They kind of dealt him away. I don't remember what they got for him, but... Oh, they got a whole heap of not very much. But wait, we're wait. way off track at this point. Uh, yeah, okay, so... let's get back on track. <laughs> Um, one of those, uh, yes, we're hockey geek stories, um, out in the Pacific Northwest, uh, there is, there is a gentleman by the name of Pat O'Neill. And just a couple of days ago, Pat O'Neill, who is the head equipment manager for the Vancouver Canucks did something that I'm reasonably confident no player will ever do. And um, he becomes the fifth equipment manager to do it. And that's play and that's play or be involved in 3000 NHL games. Ah, yes. Thousand NHL games. The story that I said will confirm our geekdom as far as hockey goes. 3000 games. Did they do anything to celebrate his 3,000? Oh, they they celebrated it. Uh, there's a tweet from the Canucks on the day, um, just a couple of days back. It was the 18th, um, and they have a couple of minute long video, uh, a bunch of players who have played in the system, a couple of past coaches. It's got over 104,000 views as of right now. Uh, I'm going to give it a retweet now. It is 11.08 on the 25th. Um, so if you look at my timeline, uh, then you should see uh, you should see it. And he's the and he's only the fifth equipment manager in NHL history to hit 3000 games. That's... I mean, how many games have the have the Canucks played to date? They're not the newest franchise. But that has to be a significant portion of them. I would think. 82 games a year. Uh, now. It was shorter than that for a while. I mean, there was an 80, There were a couple of 84-game seasons, but it was in the 60s and 70s. There were like 50 and 60-game seasons. I mean, no, it is 84 games. Basketball is 82. No, it's 82. 82. I get confused between the two of them. We know. Yeah. 3,000 is just – I'm impressed. Pat O'Neill, I, I I bow to you. Three thousand games is just that's impressive. <laughs> it really is. I mean, we talk about when players hit the one thousand game mark. Just, I mean, three thousand games. You got to worry about the equipment. You worry about making sure that it's all there. It's all working. Skates, this, that, everything. I. It, I mean, just to put this in perspective. Um, <laughs> Pat Marlowe just oh, wow. just crossed sixteen or seventeen hundred games, or about seventeen hundred games as a player. He's been playing since ninety eight. So add add eleven seasons to that or so to get to get that extra. It's just mind boggling. And he's not apparently he's not done yet. No, it doesn't doesn't sound like he's retiring anytime soon. 
according to according to a tweet, a reply tweet, he was given a Rolex and a trip to Napa. Um, yes, uh, the number of games that they have played is looks like it looks to be around five thousand with Buzzy Math off of um, off of what is on Hockey Reference uh, sixteen hundred and forty five wins. 1,732 losses, 391 ties, and 158 overtime losses. So, yeah, he's play, he's been involved in more games probably than anyone in Canucks history. I, I, again, I'm just... I'm blown away. Three thousand... I mean, not that I wouldn't want to spend 3,000 games in the NHL. That would be fun for me. But, wow. Okay. Congratulations to him. 3,000. Okay, the Canucks have actually been in existence 3,930 games. So... Are you serious? He's he's been there for 75... Like 90% of the Canucks history has involved this man. No, from about, 70, about 75%. <laughs> from 1970, uh, 71 season to present, that, that's just enormous. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> uh, let's see. While we're still in this, uh, let's see, where do we want to go next? That is absolutely crazy. Ah, let's see. We'll keep all the draft stuff for later. Throw out. I want. Do we want NWHL? When did you pop this one up? Hold on a second. I'm I'm amazing. I missed it. Finalists for the oh finalists for five awards. What's going on here? Uh, just as you said, uh, the NWHL announced their. Uh, finalists for uh, multiple awards. This is a Mike Murphy story uh, at the Ice Garden. You can follow him at Big Deep BSP. Uh, this was posted uh, on the 22nd. Um, let's see. So uh, the the media is voting uh, for this year's MVP, Goaltender of the Year, Defender of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, and the Denelang Award. Uh Jillian Dempsey, Kaylee Fra- uh, Fratkin, Michaela Grant Mentis, Shannon Doyle, and Carly Jackson are all finalists for uh, one award. Uh, okay, Dempsey- wait. You you have three Boston Pride players are up for MVP out of four candidates. Five candidates. But that's I see okay. four. Jillian, Jillian uh, Kaylee, Kaylee, and then Michaela Grant Mentis of the Toronto Six. Three of the four. You're missing one. Which one? Jillian, Kaylee, Michaela, Shannon, and Carly. Not in the article I'm looking at, but that's all right. Oh, wait, here we go. It's in the paragraph above. Um, so, goaltender of the year, uh, LaVisa Salander, Boston Pride. Uh, Carly Jackson is also up for the goaltender of the year. Uh, Amanda Laville. Lavelli, uh, I have butchered that entirely. Uh, Minnesota Whitecaps 
Elaine Chuli of the brand new uh, Toronto Six. Hey, familiar name, Kaylee Fratkin, Defender of the Year, up for MVP, uh, up for Defender of the Year. Mallory uh, Suliotis of the Boston Pride, Good also job. up for Defender of the Year. Uh, the Connecticut Wales, Shannon Doyle, also up for Defender of the Year. Newcomer of the Year. Hey, look, a Boston Pride player, Sammy Davis, Carly Jackson of your Buffalo Buttes, uh, <laughs> Haley Mack of the Minnesota Whitecaps, Michaela Grant-Mentis of the Toronto Six, and the Denon Lang Award, uh, Jillian Dempsey, Brooke Stacy, Shannon Doyle, and Soroya Tinker, uh, the last two of the Connecticut Whale and the Minnesota Riveters, or Metropolitan Riveters, uh, my apologies, uh, and Brooke Stacy of the uh, – Buffalo Buttes. Uh, these will be airing on a special live stream. Uh, you can watch at twitch.tv NWHL on Wednesday, April 28th at 7 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and uh, Actually, it's these awards and a couple of others. Um, so if you don't have Twitch, probably sign up a little bit early and go ahead and uh, make sure you're online for that. I will say that they need to get these teams, they need to get these games on an easier to access, uh, whether it's an easier to access live stream or whether you get them on NBC Sports Network. The only way this is going to grow is exposure. To get it is exposure. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. They need to because seeing. The seeing the semifinal and final and watching Jillian Dempsey and and she was impressive. Uh, she is the first person in NWHL history to hit 100 points. Uh, Sammy Davis of the Boston Pride uh, as I, I love it that they call it newcomer of the year and not rookie of the year. But she very impressive. Haley Mack of the Whitecaps was was a joy to watch during the final. I need to see more of teams like the Connecticut Whale and the Toronto Six because I didn't see anything until they decided to. And it was very good that they rescheduled the semi and final because originally they had canceled them due to uh, COVID issues. So it was nice that they rescheduled and actually played them. They were played here in Boston at Warrior Arena, even though Boston was the away team in their own building. It's kind of funny, but it, to see somebody to see somebody like Brooke Stacy of the Buffalo Buttes, I don't know. Other than going and getting clips on YouTube or something, I don't know what her skill level is. They need to make this. If they really want to push and get this out there and have people follow it, they need to get it on a more mainstream media. Rant over. No argument here. But congratulations to all the nominees, and uh, we look forward to seeing who gets the trophies. Absolutely. Um, While we're still here somewhere in the Boston sphere, uh, Brady Lyle, uh, was signed by the Bruins to an NHL contract. Wait, wait, uh, wait. Free age- is he a defenseman? <laughs> he is indeed a defenseman because it's impossible to sign right wings. Um, 
but we need right wings. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Brady Lyle, 21 years old, out of North Bay, Ontario, six feet two o two, played for the Owen Sound Attack and the North Bay Battalion and the O. Uh, okay. uh, this season spent sixty six games uh, over in the Slovak League for uh, Detva uh, Hockey Club. Uh, three points, uh, a goal and two assists, two pims, and he's since been playing in Providence. Uh, 21 games, six goals, six assists, and 15 pims, uh, plus minus of seven. Um, given how many defensemen have come out of Providence for uh, to play in Boston this year, that's really, really not surprising. Um, but waiting to see when Nick Wolf called up. You know, it might happen. Uh, although, given how um, not impressive the forwards left down there are, yeah. Uh, I mean, Jacob Lauko has made a really good case for uh, opening or for being late in camp uh, this fall when uh, things happen again. I mean, he's got he's played 19 games for Providence this year, has 17 points. Okay. Um, and I mean Robert Lantosi, who's um, approaching. He's only twenty-four. Why do I think he's like thirty? Uh, he may be around a while as well, because uh, he's <laughs> with eight goals. He's leading the team in goal scoring. I see. Twenty-one games. That's not or twenty-four games. That's not terrible, especially or twenty-one games since his uh, line mates have probably changed more times than his socks. Um, and Cameron Hughes is tied for, for tied for second in scoring or tied for first in scoring. Um, I'm pretty certain those are not the guys that we all projected to. Uh, oh my God. Tommy Cross is back in Providence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to laugh that loud, but Wow. Dude, uh, a dude could have a job scouting or working in the front office of 20 teams in the league at this point. Uh, I guess it's not about the money for him. I mean, or he could go to go to Europe and play for five times as much money or at least three times as much money. Oh, oh, to put a bow on it, by the way, just because I know yep. you want to know. So the the Buffalo Sabres in the lovely Evander Kane deal acquired some guy named Danny O'Regan. Yep. A very key player. Um, actually he has played for one game for Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> they also, <laughs> they acquired a 2019 first round pick. Um, yeah. And, then they that turned out to be somebody named Braden Tracy. They also acquired a fourth round pick. Both of these were in 2019. Um, and that's an that's a gentleman by the name of Ethan Keppen. Yep. Uh, again, a future Hall of Famer. Um, Ethan Keppen has no NHL contract history. He has. The high, he's playing with the Utica Comets this year, actually. He's got four games, but he has no NHL contract. Four, uh, four full games, huh? 
Oh, yeah. Braden Tracy. Well, he's got a contract. Um, he has currently never played an NHL game. <laughs> In fact, this year he's played for both the WHL's Victoria Royals, where he has 16 points in 13 games. But the AHL San Diego Gulls, he played 12 games and had, wow, zero points. Um, <laughs> so it was a hell of a deal for Buffalo. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> Just thought I'd throw that in there since we... <laughs> Uh, so Brady Lyle, uh, we got we got another defenseman. The hell with right wings, who needs them? We'll just have nobody play over there, and somebody can skate on that side of the ice every now and again. <laughs> we did have a couple of uh, did have a couple of goaltenders that we've had goaltenders making their debuts this season, and obvi- for obvious reasons, I mean. The Bruins themselves have gone through four with Swayman and Vladar both being called up. Spencer Knight signed his deal with um, Florida and has already been up and played his first game in which he won. I believe it was like a 5-1 finish. And then last night, and then last night against our local Boston Bruins, the Buffalo Sabres ended up winning 6-4 and... Yeah, I'm going to say it. Uko Pekalukinen got his first win. <laughs> Uko Pekalukinen. So there are 31 teams in the NHL, as all of us know. Um, yes. Do you know how many goaltenders have played this season? 82. At least one game? 82. Complete guess. I have no idea. Nope. Uh, the number would be 94. Holy. I was thinking I so was on average, too high. On average, three goaltenders per team. Like I said, though, this season has been different. Uh, yes, different is different. Different is a very good word. Um, if we're going to look really quickly at the players by. Um, Connor Hellebuck has played the most minutes with uh, 2,206 and change. And then there's Logan Thompson of the Vegas uh, goal. Wait a minute. That's not a goaltender. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. Usually helps to list the goaltenders. <laughs> no, I have the goaltender. You know, wait, that is a goaltender. Uh, yeah. Logan Thompson has played an amazing uh, eight minutes and 15 seconds. In that? In that. Uh, but does he, does he have a zero goals against average? He has a zero goals against average. Nice. Uh, and saved every shot. Um, that's that. That's thoroughly impressive, actually. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's. Uh, let's see. There's probably there's twelve guys who have played one game or less, including Oscar Dansk, uh, who we saw a few saw a little while ago. Caden uh, Primo. Oscar Dansk was actually key back in the inaugural season for Vegas when they actually went through five goaltenders that year. I'm somewhat Im- somewhat amazed that Oscar Dansk hasn't been uh, swiped out from underneath Vegas with a good trade. Um, although his numbers since that first season in the NHL have not somewhat been the same. less than good. Yeah. 
But you look at you you look at you go you scroll down this list and you got okay da 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 da, da, da yeah Lankinen brand new you know nobody knew about him till this year Vitek Vanacek for Washington no idea uh, keep scrolling well I knew Cal Peterson was yeah okay whatever uh, Ottinger rookie although he sort of was around last year I think he signed his entry level. Chris Drieger, back up in, in – I mean, the names that pop up, Kapo Kakinen, rookie, you know. It, 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 Alex Nedeljkovic, by the way, is from Ohio, even though his name sounds like he's from Croatia. Uh, Sorokin and Samsonov and uh, – just go on and on and on. It, the, the names of the goaltenders – I mean, obviously, we had Swayman and Vladar here. Joey Decord. Did anybody even know who Joey Decord was before he showed up in Ottawa? Pretty much no. And he's played 400 minutes for them. I mean, it's just it, the names just Prospetov, rookie in 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 Arizona. Spencer Knight, Ugo Pekalukin, and obviously even Caden Primo played last night, his first game. Uh, since last season, he's—I don't know if they consider him a rookie. I don't—I don't know if the rules are different for goaltenders. I than don't believe they are. Uh, one, one other important story I wanted to talk to you before we dive into some of the local stuff. Um, sure. I guess this is both local and hockey global. Uh, Willie O'Ree, um, who we all know, first. Uh, First black player to play in the NHL. Um, really? Played part of his career completely blind in one eye, which, which is utterly amazing. And, his and has spent. On yeah, and has, has spent the rest of his life uh, to date. Uh, he might decide to go do something else with his twilight years since it doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah, no um, kidding. <laughs> Uh, he's spent the rest of his career building the sport of hockey, um, you know, across demographics, getting, getting youth involved. I mean, what he does and getting the message out there and getting kids involved in hockey. I mean, his, his impact is far beyond just the fact that he was a player in the NHL, a first yeah. black player in the NHL. His impact is so far beyond that though. Um, so a bill on February 25th was introduced into the U S Congress uh, to award a congressional medal, uh, gold medal to Willie O'Ree in recognition of his uh, extraordinary contributions and commitment to hockey inclusion and recreational opportunity. Um, you can find this story on the Bruins website. It's uh, Willie for gold. Um, is is the uh, is the tagline they're using for it? Uh, you can contract contact your congressmen and senators uh, here in the U.S. Um, I will uh, each time I remember um, tweet this week uh, at least a couple of times a day with Willie for Gold. Um, if you're not in the U.S. and you support this idea of recognizing how important sports and the discipline of hockey, uh, physical, mental, uh, are go ahead and join me. Um, this is a guy who really, really has made hockey and society better through his efforts. And 
I'll put, I'll put the link on the little blur. I'm going to put this link on the little blurb when we get it up on Podbean too. Awesome. So um, it'll so, be attached to all the descriptions. Yes. Again, Willie for the gold and uh, in the Bruins on the Bruins website, you can find out more about Willie O'Ree and how to contact your U.S. senators and representatives. You can also call their offices and uh, give them and directly uh, remind them that you would like to see this passed. And it, I mean, it says here, since the American Revolution, Congress has commissioned gold medals as its highest expression of national appreciation for distinguished achievements and contributions. Each medal honors a particular individual, institution, or event. This Congressional Gold Medal is awarded to individuals who have performed an achievement that has an impact on American history and culture that is likely to be recognized as a major achievement in the recipient's field long after the actual achievement. If nothing describes Willie O'Ree more, that's it. Because his Absolutely. impact, like I said, beyond just playing hockey, his impact now with the youth and the, getting the message out there. And he's still when he's still a great interview, too. I mean, they sit down with him. They talk to him. He, he's like he, he, he's not one of the he doesn't shy away from the cameras, at least not that I've seen. He, he seems to give a really good interview. So. I will post the I will post the link in the in the description and hopefully we can get some people signing up for this. Uh, let's see. And do we want to do the couple of local stories or do we want to do the youth hockey stories uh, first? Youth hockey. Wait a minute. Youth. Well, junior hockey draft. Uh, oh, the, uh, oh, the U18s. Like uh, let's get the U18s out of the way. Uh, those of you wondering who uh, is going to captain the uh, U18s this year for the USA, um, wonder no more. Uh, team leadership was announced uh, on uh, the USA Hockey website uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, you have assistant captain or alternate captains. Where did it go? Uh, alternate captains are Aiden uh, Hrushchuk uh, um, and Sean Behrens uh, with Captain Red Savage. Uh, Red Savage is uh, draft eligible this year. Um, I believe uh, the other two, I want to say that Aiden is actually been drafted. I don't remember. <clears throat> but uh, we were talking before the show about about these players and it's been my observation that at least for team USA, it's usually not the most highly ranked player that gets uh, the captaincy. Um, it's usually, it's usually the guy that the coaches think is the most mature. Um, Aiden uh, Hushak is also <laughs> just 18. He just turned 18 uh, about a month and a half ago. Another defenseman, uh, 5'11", 182, out of Long Beach, California. And uh, let's see, where were we? Um, I'm going to, I think it's going to be interesting to watch this year. 
uh, given that Canada seems to be busy hamstringing themselves. Um, and while no, the competition overall isn't the most important thing ever, um, it, it's going to affect a lot of careers and lives uh, because the queue has decided to hold players back. Um, the OHL yeah. has already canceled their season. I found that I found that on a tweet on, and the and the tweet actually came from, uh, of all places, Alan Walsh. We 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 know Alan Walsh because he's Yarrow Halak's agent, and last summer when Yarrow had to take over starting duties due to Tuca's um, absence, Alan was about the biggest cheerleader I've ever seen for, for a goaltender. I thought I liked Yarrow a lot, but hey, I guess he makes this guy money. And it said, good on Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News calling out the queue for refusing to release its players to Team Canada for the U18 World Championships. A shameful decision. I don't understand why they won't. Uh, how are these players supposed to get exposure if they're trying to get themselves drafted into the NHL uh, world tournaments help that exposure and I when I read the the article by Ryan Kennedy I couldn't find any good reason why they weren't being allowed to play but so yes it's going to affect the competition because uh, typically America and Canada, our top two, three teams for top two, top four teams in the world. You know, you, I know we've got Sweden. I know we've got Finland and whatnot, but actually it looks like all three of them are draft eligible this year, which makes sense as they're all under 18, but Sean Barron's is from Barrington, Illinois. He turned 18 uh, on March. Uh, yeah. May, okay. Mar- on March 31st. Uh, five, nine, Mm-hmm. Also a defenseman. Um, I think we're hearing something about maybe the preferences of the uh, head coach, just possibly, or at least the leadership team. Maybe. 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 It's possible. Coach, general manager, maybe, possibly. Well, four of the six coaches on the coaching staff are from the New England area, three of them from Massachusetts. So that should also be um, interesting to see how they react to the team. I mean, they, they... Uh, yeah, because Red Savage is actually still under 18. He will be <coughs> he's he will 17 turn, years old. Yeah, he will turn 18 on May 15th out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, but having a nice season uh, in the in the USHL, uh, 22 games, 10 goals, 10 assists, 27 pimps. That's pretty good. That's a that's a pretty solid season uh, playing for the U.S. Uh, national development team. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Where do we? Where do we go from here? Um, you had a local story that's uh, not quite as fun. Well, I was. I, uh, um, Pembroke, Massachusetts. This past week, uh, the hockey, the Pembroke High hockey team, unfortunately lost two members, um, two best friends. They were 
in a car accident and I'm trying to get the names that's why I'm stalling okay so it was Billy Hickey and Joey Birolini best friends beloved in the community always a joke and a smile they were just good kids all around based on what the coach said the, the based on what other parents have said they had a memorial today where everybody in the town lined the streets teams are raising their hockey sticks player people that don't that you know families just there to support everybody with their hockey sticks in the air blades taped up with joey and billy on it they are actually being buried next to each other they bet they were best friends it's just it's I mean, the last time we had something negative like this happen was with the, I want to say it was Austin Prep, the young man who had the back injury, crashed into the boards, uh, similar to Travis Roy. Uh, But to lose these two young kids, it's a tough thing to do, tough thing for the the state of hockey. They were both... uh, looked at as as team leaders so it our thoughts and prayers condolences go out to the families of both joey and billy and and you know to their friends teammates as well uh i i lost a couple of friends in high school and it was it it changed the way you thought and not in not in a way that makes uh not in a way that makes life happier they actually live streamed the funeral over the internet because of covid restrictions yeah it's uh their former high school hockey coach delivered the eulogy again uh, thoughts and prayers go out it's not something that should ever happen but unfortunately it did uh, and let's see, Brad Marchand, um, had an achievement, uh, this week, uh, that's somewhat, uh, that's rather, rather few hockey players ever get to, um, 700, 700 career NHL points. He has joined the 700 club. The only 700 club worth mentioning. Yes, definitely. I would agree with that. Um, and here's here's the thing with him, and this is one of the this is one of the prime examples of why I laugh hysterically every time people say that Claude Julian uh, hates young players or can't coach young players. Do you remember how many points that Marchand put up in? The very first time he was called up to the Bruins uh, in a 20-game stint. Off the top of my head, no, but let's go with 22. One. Oh. Okay. In the 2009-2010 season, Brad Marchand came up. He had 20 penalty minutes, was a minus three, and had one assist in those 20 games. Was his role different? That I mean, when they first he brought was him playing, up, he was playing fourth line. Um, yes, 
in fact, he, they had him and uh, Sean Thornton on the ice at the same time, and that's just <laughs> hilarious visually. Because yeah, I'm picturing it. And like, Sean it's... Thornton, huge. I mean, jacked at the time. And Brad Marchand was still a skinny stick. Um, yeah, and I'm picturing it. That was an interesting time. <laughs> and then the next season, 21 goals, 20 assists, a manageable 51 pims in 77 games. Oh, and then eleven goal or eleven goals in the Stanley Cup Finals, including a couple of games in to clinch game goals to clinch Game Seven, and then twenty eight yeah. goals the next year, and then yeah. in a forty five game season, uh, thirty six goals or thirty six points. Uh, he he's got three hundred and fifteen goals, three hundred and fifteen. Um. This this is this is a player, uh, and this is why I refer to the Bergeron line as the Rafters, uh, because he and Bergeron, and almost certainly if he can stay healthy, um, if he can stay healthy, uh, David act- Pasternak, yeah, all going the- to the Rafters. Oh yeah, the accolades don't seem to stop. With just Marchand hitting 700, though. First of all, Marchand is now number one in Bruins history in shorthanded goals with 30. Has been for a little while, yep. Yeah. He obviously he hits a 700 point mark, which he is the ninth player in Bruins history. The thing is, when you look at the list of like the eight people ahead of him, uh, the letters HOF follow just about every one of their names <laughs> hall of fame hall of fame hall of fame <laughs> hall of fame yep 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 <laughs> and then the other thing that you found from the power is that bergeron and marchand have factored in on 29 shorthanded regular season goals which puts them third all time third all time and Don Luce and Craig Ramsey, who have 31. That one is achievable by the end of the year, possibly by the end of the season, but certainly achievable. I, I mean, the number one in first place, that one may take a while. I mean, the number one, the, the, the number one pair, of course, being Wayne Gretzky. I didn't think he had. I, think he, I didn't think Gretzky was that big of a penalty killer. But between Gretzky and Yari Curry, they have 41. They factored in a shorthanded regular season goals 41 times. So, yeah, it is uh, 12 goal is our 12 shorthanded goals uh, factored together. Is it something that they can achieve? I think I do like, my favorite comment is the one right after this tweet that says Crosby and Malkin right on their tails with eight. Right on their tail. If there's nothing that typifies the Crosby tenure of the NA in his, in the NHL more than this, it's a gap of 21 goals being right on their tail, right on their what? 
That's my favorite tweet. Says Crosby and Malkin right on their tails with eight. Whose tweet was this? Somebody by the name of Brian Goulart. I have no idea who he is. I'm assuming Brian Gulak is a Crosby fan. Not a oh, Penguins okay. fan, but a Crosby fan, because he probably can't name 10 players who were there two years before uh, Crosby was drafted. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, just, but to be to be third on that list, I mean, considering what everybody's impression of Marchand is, uh, you know, it, it, oh, he's the little ball of hay. Nobody likes him. Well, okay, unless he's on your team is the rest of that phrase because the way he scores goals and the energy that he puts in, yeah, you want him on your team. It, I, you and I both said, what if we had Brendan Gallagher and Brad Marsh and on the you know, I would <laughs> giggle myself to death like <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> Can we? Is he a right winger? Can we still get him? <laughs> Gallagher is indeed a right winger. Oh, and, spectacular! And oh. I kind of want to put them out there with Trent Frederick or uh, Charlie Coyle uh, between them. <laughs> also uh, worth noting, um, Eric Dolan, who follow who uh, I've known a little while, uh, texted okay. me this morning. Oh, okay. Um, with something from, uh, Kevin Doyle of the, uh, Eagle Tribune, um, David Pasternak gets a lot of criticism sometimes for being, um, not as careful with the puck as his line mates and somewhat inconsistent, both of which are a hundred percent earned. Uh, on the other hand, they're also sometimes way, way, way over the top because while yes, he's not the defensive presence that Patrice Bergeron is, he's I not mean. the gritty agitator that, uh, Marchand is. Um, and I mean, Marchand, whatever else you want to say about him, I don't know that he's taken a shift off in his entire career. Are you using this to make your argument for the Raptors line? Um, I'm using I, this because I thought it was a really neat uh, thing that came in. I'm reading some of this, and whether you like pasta or not, when he, he is a different player. He is. We saw but, that in his first in in his first uh, rookie camp. Uh, but he's him and. He's, well, yeah, when he came into his first rookie camp, yeah, when you forget your skates, it, we've joked about that plenty of times. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was nerves or what, but it, like it says here, he's already surpassed 400 career points, and he's not 25 yet. Yeah. I mean, he will be he's next month. He's had a couple but, of injuries along the way, too. I mean, shoulder injuries, but yeah. But 400 points puts him... A, Almost halfway to Bergeron, who's 36. 36, yep. Brad Marchand, who's 33, he'll be 33 soon. It puts him more than halfway to Brad, and the same for Krejci. I mean, this guy could be hitting eight, 900 points and not be 30 yet. Uh, there's, if he... 
regardless of where he finishes his career, if he's healthy and plays 12 years, this is a guy who's probably going to hit the thousand point mark. Which, as which, and like I said, using it as the argument for the Raptors line, that would certainly get his number in the Raptors. We already know the other two are going. If they don't, then something's seriously wrong. Um, it's like you forget how good he is when he's having bad games. Like some of the games he plays, I do occasionally want to throw stuff at the TV because (laughs) been there, done that. Yes, (laughs) it's mind boggling that someone so good has such a occasionally vast difference between his above average for him games and the bad games, which are not something that you would tolerate from a third line player. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, but your last paragraph, and this is from, this is from your boy, Kevin Eric Doyle. Dolan, Kevin. Uh, oh, well, okay. Kevin Doyle wrote it. Um, Eric forwarded it to me. Okay. Um, and last paragraph. That, that's what I was going to get to. That last paragraph is just like, it, it, that's eye opening. That's a statement. Uh, and I'll read it real quick. However, I submit he is the most gifted and creative scorer the Bruins have had since Rick Middleton. Nifty. Granted good health and longevity, along with a desire to remain in Boston, he may challenge Espo and the Chief as the highest scoring forward in team history. That's a statement. Boston Bruins are very nearly a 100-year-old franchise, oldest American-based franchise in the league, and... Ladies and gentlemen, we may actually be watching right now today a guy who is going to be in that top three, top five, maybe the number one spot when he's done playing. Uh, that's well, eye-opening, and I really, really have to track down. So in, uh, in goals, <clears throat> now he's going to be 25 next month. And yep. he's about to score his 200th. Okay. Uh, I believe he just scored his two, or uh, you know, yeah, he is about to score his 200th. Okay, so Bruins goal scorers all time: number ten, Bobby Orr, 264; Cashman, 277; Hodge, 289; so on and so on. Neely, 344; Bergeron is fifth with 370. Bork, Middleton at 4.02, Espo at 4.59, Busick at 545. He's going he's gonna to be 25, and he's already at 200. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yes, can he challenge Busick? Uh, yeah, if he sticks around. Uh, I mean, you look at points, and obvi- you look at assists, and obviously Ray Bork is up there with over 1,000. And if you look at points, number one is Ray Borg again at fifteen hundred, Busick at thirteen. But what, what did we say? He already has four hundred points in his career. Yep. Number ten is Ken Hodge, six seventy four. So he is two hundred seventy four points away from tenth all time for the Bruins. Marshand is ninth at seven oh three. 
as we've said, Krejci and, and Bergeron is fourth and whatnot. Um, yeah, this guy has a chance to be in these top tens easily if he continues on the path that he's on and stays healthy and decides to stay a Bruin. There's no doubt. Which I think uh, <laughs> is Kevin Doyle's not-so-subtle call for a little bit of patience and a whole lot less um, knee-jerk bile when Pasternak is having a bad game or two. <laughs> it's crazy. It really is crazy. And uh, congratulations to him on putting this together because I haven't seen anyone else uh, sensibly and cogently put together a case for people uh, calming the belief down. Um, By the way, way, Bergeron is third on the list in game-winning goals. Since I'm pulling up all of these lovely little stats on hockey reference, Bergeron is third career in Bruins game-winning goals with 68. He's 20 away from Busick. Just throwing that out there. Busick is number one. <laughs> Busick is number one in game-winning goals with 88. But Bergeron is third with 68. I don't think Bergeron catches him. I don't. I, I love Bergeron. I've been, uh, I've been the uh, president and vice president and goon of the Patrice Bergeron uh, fan club since he landed in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but 20 more goals. I mean, even if he's only got four even if he gets four a season, that's five more years. I would love to think that Bergeron is going to be playing that effectively for five more years. I really would. I, I can't. I, I don't. I think that one. I think that one eludes him. Brad Marchand is tied for fourth with Ray Bork at sixty, <sighs> and Krejci is tenth with forty-one. <laughs> See. I, I mean, some of it is just longevity in their case. In some cases, I think I also don't think that Brad Marchand gets it because Brad tends to score. Yeah, he'll get the overtime. He'll get the late uh, period empty netters, but he tends to score first in the league really, really often. Uh, or tends to score early in the game pretty often. And that tends not to be the game winning goal. Okay, but we look. We could do an entire show on why Patrice Bergeron is worthy of being in anyone's hockey Mount Rushmore. Um, well, all I know is that there's going to be, based on where his name is on all of these lists, he's going to be able to sign his autograph with the final three letters H O F. So, yeah. Um, he should and probably quite, start practicing soon. And to be quite honest, I'll say it here for I, I may not be first. I like to think I am. I think Brad deserves consideration for it as well. I I don't think that you can make good arguments against Brad Marchand as of today being a Hall of Fame uh Hall of Fame worthy. And right now, today, he has not won no individual awards in the NHL, but you could make a very good case for him getting the Hart Trophy this year. I mean, he might actually go out and win the scoring race. It's that close at this point. Yeah. 
he, I mean, if he wins the scoring race and walks away with that trophy, that's a really, I, I mean, the, the, the heart trophy tends to go to whoever finishes the season with most scoring, which I don't always think is the best case. Okay. I almost never think is the best case, but, um, draft time is rapidly approaching and it's well known to be one of my favorite times of the season. Um, if for no other reason than it gives us a nice sip of, uh, something cool in that parched hockey free environment of midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice folks at, uh, FC hockey have released their, uh, spring rankings. There is another uh, Hughes at the top of the list. Jesus. There is indeed a gentleman named Hughes we, at the top can, of the list. Can we stop with the Hughes? <laughs> well, I, I'm reasonably certain that his, that their parents, uh, the Hughes par- family, have stopped having children. Um, okay. <laughs> I do not remember if this Hughes is actually related to Jack and Quinn, but I think he is. I think he's the youngest, yeah. Um, this year's Hughes is Luke Hughes. Uh, for those keeping track at home uh, or completely failing to. He's a defenseman. And like. That is the first thing that I noticed um, when I looked at the top of this draft class. They're all defensemen. No. They're literally Jack all isn't. defensemen. I haven't seen this many oh, defensemen you mean the, the rankings? near the top okay. of the rankings. Since 2003. Luke Hughes, number one, U.S. Uh, national team development. Uh, Simon Edvinson, Rolanda, defenseman. William Eklund, uh, center, Deer Garden. Uh, Matthew Beniers, center, Deer Garden. Um, I've seen him play. He's good. Brant Clark, defenseman, Barry Colts. Owen Power, defenseman, University of Michigan. Uh, we do have a goaltender up here, but that's three of the top six who are defensemen. Yes, but whilst that expected to be drafted by Detroit, by the way, um, Carson, uh, Kuhlman's, um, not our Carson Kuhlman's, but, um, defenseman, Brooke bandits of the AJHL number 11, uh, Ooh, a right winger, a right winger. Yeah. The Bruins won't draft him. <laughs> Maybe we can get them to change his designation to defenseman and then they'll draft him. Surprise! He's really a right winger. <laughs> Actually, there's Roberts. quite a few right wings in this draft too. There's another Carson, Carson Lambos, uh, Winnipeg Ice of the Western Hockey League. Are you saying um, you can accidentally draft a right winger? It, it would have to be an accident, uh, as far as I can tell. Um, but this is this is interestingly a draft where the top half of it. There are really actually what? two. Two goaltenders in the top 32, uh, which I haven't seen in nearly forever. Um, and I found FC hockey to be really, really good, uh, at least with their final draft. Um, I haven't really paid close attention to their uh, to their midseason rankings uh, as much as I do to their final rankings. 
I've seen uh, video of Jesper Allstead. He looks really good. I've watched the Michigan guys because I'm a Michigan fan, so I've seen them. And yes, Bernier, Bernier's, Matthew Bernier's is really good. Um, Owen Power is a really strong defenseman. I like it. Strong to watch. I will have to do some research on the rest of these guys. There is a lot of defense in here. There's this is and usually a draft not dominated by centers. There's a lot of defense in this draft. It's in the top in the top hundred anyway. There's a lot of defense. So it'll be it should be an interesting draft to see where people where teams go. I mean teams that consistently Oh goodness! There's somebody. There's a center, ranked 78th in the queue, and his name is. Oh, he's just above Red Savage actually in ranking. His name is Robert Orr. Oh boy. I'm guessing not related to the one I, that we. I don't think related, but if you're born to. Oh yeah, no, definitely not related. But if you're playing hockey with the name Robert Orr, it. That might make things a little tough for you. Just a thought. I'm not saying that. He's 5'11", 176. Uh, the last report on him was from January. He's a center that plays with a lot of speed, very good skater, good speed and agility. Helps him in his sport checking and back checking game in both aspects. He uses his skating, his stick, and his body to take away a lot of pucks. His transition play is also very good as he uses his skating agility, passing, and stick-handling ability to exit his zone. I am going to have to sign up so I can get full reports, because I'm only getting, like, half reports at the moment. Uh, Shy Booman... But sounds like this kid's a 200 to be drafted. Um, not that the Bruins actually need more defense at this point, but um, <laughs> I'm always intrigued by 6'4 and 205. Got a thing about large defensemen. Yes. Yes, I do, and I don't apologize for it. Well, I kinda like I kinda like size on defense so that when players are trying to get around you, they can't they have to work really hard. <laughs> well, yes, they have to work hard to do it. You know, that um, whole six nine thing with Chara and the reach that he has kind of makes it that's what I like about Owen Power. When it says six six two fourteen at University of Michigan, I've seen him. He is six six. <laughs> if he yeah. puts on, even if he puts on ten pounds, fifteen gets up to six six and two twenty five or something, two thirty. Monster, monster. <laughs> I don't know that he'll be available when we pick, but. <laughs> um. Let's see. One last story here because we are really, really uh, at the edge of our time. Um, Igor Larionov, uh, the second was talking about the relegation model for, uh, us sports. Uh, he that makes, is gonna... he makes a case in the same shape that we've seen the argument before. It's not that. Yeah. It's not that it's a system that couldn't work organically if it grew that way it requires 
in order for relegation to work, it requires that you'd have to be you'd have to be willing to accept that a team that's been quote unquote in the well not quote unquote but the team that's been in the NHL such as the Buffalo Sabres is willing to accept being considered an AHL team the following season because that's what would happen the bottom in 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 the premiership in soccer in in the in Europe they don't have our cha- they don't have championships set up the way we do and and over there it's just the top team at the end of the league in points they're the champions there is no playoffs bottom 3 teams get relevated to what they call championship division the top three teams from the championship division get promoted into the premiership. So you would have to be able to accept that you could have the Boston Bruins and the Providence Bruins playing in the NHL. And I don't know if you could keep the playoff system currently the way it is. No. Because you're, that's just, I mean, there's already 82 games being played and now you're going to play uh, you have to win another 16 games to get Stanley Cup, and it's, I don't know. It, it, it's not that I dislike relegation. I like the idea of it. I mean, as a as a fan of soccer, and and I know that you're not as big a fan as I am, but as a fan of it, yes, I like the concept of if you finish in the bottom third. You should not be playing in this league. You should be improving, which means you should step down and the top three teams step up. The negative argument is that sometimes it's the same teams that are always going up and down. Like in this year's in this year's uh, premiership, two teams are being promoted that last year were relegated. And. I mean, here in the U.S., revenue is tied very specifically to market uh, ratings, to fan attendance, and with oh, and teams well, as spread out as they are, a team, a team's fan base can only travel so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest cities where people go to college and then move back to wherever else in the country they may live. Um, or that have had, you know, longstanding dynasties, um, in over, over a couple of year period, their fans are going to travel well. I mean, Red Wings fans traveled really, really well for years. Bruins fans traveled really, really well for years. Um, you look at some of the other sports, uh, it sounded like home games for the Patriots in a lot of stadiums for seven, eight year run. Um, the Yankees and Red Sox can do, have done the same thing when they've been good for a couple of years. But, you know, yeah. you look at the UK, Manchester to Manchester to London, Liverpool to Glasgow or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a whole lot easier run than even just Boston to New York City or or um, Raleigh to Buffalo. I mean, Raleigh to Buffalo is effectively the equivalent of what? Uh, Paris to <laughs> Istanbul? Maybe not I, quite that far. Yeah, I, I, I actually would have to Google map it out. I'm not sure. <laughs> 
the other the the only other issue and it's also kind of a big issue is here in the United States we have something called as we just talked about the NHL draft there is no drafting in premiership and their relegation they go out they sign kids to their to, to their squads you know as young as say 10 11 years old yeah and they they go to school they work with the team they they, they are sort of owned by whether it's chelsea yeah. or manchester united yeah. or whatever there is no draft so what are you going to do about all these kids who play in college playing in the ushl and and there's no draft. I, I I think that the average, I think that the idea here would run afoul of labor laws, um, because yes, most kids' school sports teams do practice a decent amount, but not as much as like a pro league. I mean, there's there's just not a comparison, and I. There's there's it's, there's just way too many cultures. changes to have there's to make. There's too many differences. Right. There, there's too many differences. There's too many changes that would have to be made in order to make it work. And, and as I said, it's it, it's it would not be an organic growth here. By the uh, way, you also put up his um you also put up his elite prospects page just for reference, and at twenty two. He's um, not quite as good as his dad. Yeah, that's clear by the stats. <laughs> very, very clear. Very clear. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is everything. That and that was a lot of everything. <laughs> we covered high school hockey, women's hockey, college hockey. Uh, we talked about uh, the equipment Q, managers, equipment managers, uh, records being broken, goaltending. Uh, we talked about all time goal scorers. We talked about the Hall of Fame. Uh, we talked awards. We talked. As I said at the beginning of the show, we're hockey geeks and we don't make an apology for it. Nope. Uh, you can find me, as always, at Puck Sage. You can find me always at the Opwing. Willie for gold. And see you next week.